Good morning, church. I'm glad that uh, you're tuning in this morning. And uh, thank you, Kyle and Macy, for leading us into the throne room and leading us in worship. What a joy it is to uh, worship together with other believers. And uh, I have an opportunity I want to let you know about. Um, we are going to begin an ongoing senior adult uh, Sunday school class, uh, September 20th, uh, in the Fellowship Hall from 9.30 to 10.30. Um, if you're a senior adult and maybe you haven't been able to come and worship with us, this will be a great opportunity for you to mask up and come and be with other believers. And uh, Brother John Webb has said that he would lead that uh, study. And so we are excited about the opportunity for people to come. Yes, we will be social distancing, we will be masked up, and we will be uh, ready to uh, study God's Word together. But I hope that uh, as a senior adult, I hope you will come out and, and join us for that on September 20th at 9.30, uh, between 9.30 and 10.30 a.m. But uh, I know uh, as we reopen, things are, are going to keep coming online, so I hope that you'll uh, stay tuned and, and be ready for those as, as we continue to, to grow in the Lord. Um, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I gave my life to Jesus many years ago. And I've taken seriously the challenge, the command, the commission to go and make disciples. I've traveled all over the world. I've uh, been investing in people uh, for a long time now. And uh, I really feel like it's a, a wonderful thing to be able to teach the Word of God, but also to, uh, to see disciples uh, come to know Jesus and follow Him in a, in a very close way. But I know that... Um, as a church, that is part of our commission to go and make disciples, and uh, I'm thankful for a church that sends people out uh, into the mission field. Uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about a teacher's reward uh, out of James chapter 3, and we're going to continue our study in James, and uh, I know that uh, I've been uh, benefiting personally from this study, and I hope you have too, uh, but I really am enjoying uh, this a sermon series on the book of James. You know, the ancient philosopher Diogenes, he once saw a young boy um, sitting with his teacher, and he was devouring his food in a way that was kind of hog-like or with very ill-mannered uh, means. And as a result, Diogenes walked over to the teacher and he smacked him in the side of the head. You know, the impact of the teacher on his student was so crucial that Diogenes blamed the teacher for the student's bad behavior. And I, I think that's pretty profound. Um, you know, some secular observations uh, about teachers, let me just throw these out there. Carl Menninger, he said, what the teacher is, is more important than what he or she teaches. And I think that's true because we follow uh, people. And what they are is more important than what they are teaching. William Arthur Ward said, The mediocre teacher tells. The good teacher explains. The superior teacher demonstrates. And the great teacher inspires. I think we see simply very different versions there of, of teachers, maybe that we've had in our lives. Bob Talbert said this, he said, Good teachers are costly, but bad teachers cost more. I think there's so much truth to that. 
You know, if from a worldly perspective, you know, we can see how influential teachers are uh, and how important their character is, how much more is it true that it's, it's important for teachers in the church to be examples in their lives and in their speech? We recognize that teachers have influence over others. They, they teach what they know. And today we're going to return to the book of, of James and resume our study in chapter 3, having already emphasized uh, the importance of good works in our last chapter as evidence of our salvation. Um, Pastor James, again, in chapter 3, gives us uh, practical advice uh, concerning the good work of bridling the tongue. And um, he does that by way of talking about teachers as well. In verses 1 and 2, he introduces this subject by telling us that not many of us, not many of us should become teachers. Let's read in, in James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. I ask Holy Spirit that you would guide us into all truth. Uh, I pray uh, for those who are watching on YouTube uh, at home or wherever they may be. I ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would use your words. And, Father, that it would convict our hearts. And, Father, that we would desire more of you and less of us. And, Father, I pray that as we talk about teachers today, that, Father, it would show us exactly what we need to do and where we need to be. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our teacher and our guide. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, James begins his discourse on the dangers of the tongue by pointing to the accountability of those who assume a teacher's role in the church. I say in the church because that's where we're going to be talking about is, is teaching that happens within the church. You know, James says that in the church, teachers will incur a stricter judgment. I mean, God will hold teachers accountable for that great responsibility that is given them. You know, Jesus, in the Gospels, he had some of his strictest words for the religious leaders of his day who are leading God's people astray and taking advantage of them and instead of protecting them and how these same words must also apply to those who would desire to be teachers. You know, in Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 6, Jesus said it this way. He said, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. I mean, Jesus is, uh, what, what harsh words here. For those who teach and lead astray. And, and I, I think that's huge. Because today's passage um, tells us, James tells us and warns us about taking up the, the task of teaching and, and, and 
taking it up too casually, just as if, you know, that's not any big deal, I'll, I'll teach. You know, when we accept such a position of influence over others, whether in an official ministerial capacity or not, God will judge the words we speak more strictly. See, I would say to you this morning, if you are in a teaching, excuse me, if you're in a teaching position now, carefully prepare your lessons so that you teach only what the Bible teaches. You can't just free will it. You've got to teach what God's Word says. If you're not currently serving as a teacher, I would encourage you to spend time in prayer and consideration before you volunteer to be a teacher. These are pretty sobering words here. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. See, he warns us that our words are consequential and that because of the great accountability we'll all bear for our words and because of the dangerous potential of our tongues, we would be wise to aspire more to be many learners than to be many teachers. See, we shouldn't be in such a big hurry to assume the role of teacher. We shouldn't be too eager to stand up before the people of God and use our tongues before them. We should embrace that role only if it's gen God's genuine call on our lives. And then only do that very carefully. See, it's tempting to become a teacher in the things of God. I mean, that's, that's kind of what he's saying here. Let not many of us. It's tempting to be a teacher in the things of God. Note, note first of all in this that there exists the temptation to become a teacher. See, as a democratic society, living as we do in the information age, there's never been a time in human history when there's been so many people with so many things to say about so many different subjects through as many different lines of communication reaching as many other talkers as there are today. See, our day is very much like what the Bible said about the people in the ancient city of Athens. People who, according to Acts 17.21, spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. See, the temptation to become many teachers is a common one among the descendants of Adam. And it's not that folks are qualified to be teachers. Rather, teachers is a figure of speech describing an attitude of arrogance that says something like this, I have something on my mind and I'm qualified to speak on it. My words are valid as any of those of anybody else and I too will teach. And that's really what people say sometimes They're, as they step forward to, to teach. They just don't want someone else to do it. They don't want to sit under someone else's teaching, so they volunteer to teach so that they can hear their own words. 
You know, as one wise sage observed, he said, as you go through life, you're going to have many opportunities to keep your mouth shut. Take advantage of all of them. That's what he said. Take advantage of all of them. Or another great Greek philosopher once said, either be silent or say something that is better than silence. See, James calls the people to whom he writes, my brethren. How great concern it is his that how this common temptation manifests itself among the people of God within the church. Listen, God himself blesses the church with teachers, according to Ephesians 4, verse 11, and appointing them to that role. God commands that those who teach well in the church are worthy of double honor. 1 Timothy 5.17 See, the writer of Hebrews even recognized that. As Christians grow in their faith, they come to a point in their maturity where they ought to be teachers. Hebrews 5.12 But the danger is that someone can try to rush into that role in the church for the wrong reasons. For instance, someone might want to be a teacher in order to be honored by others. That's what Matthew 23 says, verses 6 and 7. Or maybe they, maybe they want to be a teacher in order to have a platform from which to put their own spins on doctrine or theology. 1 Timothy 1.3 talks about that. Even in Titus 1.11, it talks about some people want to be teachers in order to receive money or for their sordid gain. In other words, to line their pockets. It's precisely because of this temptation and because we live in an information age that we need to be very discerning. See, Peter warned that just as false prophets arose among the people in the Old Testament, so also there will be false teachers among you. He talks about that in 2 Peter 2, verse 1. See, we can't know the motive of others, but we can examine their teaching. Scripture tells us, examine everything carefully. Paul says, hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. So recognize that there is a temptation to teach in the church. Secondly, I would say to you this morning this, the hazards of being a teacher in the things of God are great. I mean, it says right here that as a teacher, we will incur stricter judgment. I mean, praise God for those teachers who, out of a genuine love for God and compassion for His people, carefully teach the Bible and accurately interpret and apply the Word of God for us. What a blessing these folks are. Because we know that they're, they're there, they're serving, they're doing it because they love God. Not for any other reason, but because they want to rightly divide the Word of God. I mean, praise God for those who battle out on the front lines, and they work to contend earnestly for the faith 
which was once for all handed down to the saints. Talks about that in Jude uh, chapter 3, Jude 3. But still, no one should ever rush into the role recklessly. Even in the case of those who are legitimately in the role of teacher in the things of God to the church, the hazards are enormous. I mean, you just stop and think about this for a little bit. You know, a teacher could incur guilt for not saying what God wanted them to say. You know, if God puts a message on your heart and you, you withhold that message, you're going to incur stricter judgment. Or maybe a teacher could incur guilt for compromising the truth. You know, maybe emphasizing uh, certain aspects of the truth and minimizing others. Or maybe a teacher could incur guilt for telling people what they want to hear. You know, tickling their ears. A teacher could also incur guilt by living inconsistent with what they teach. Or a teacher could incur guilt by being careless in their work. Maybe they're just shooting from the hip. Maybe they're not preparing. Maybe they're not spending time in the Word and with God. But all of these things can can incur guilt with the, the teacher for not doing what God has called them to do. See, those hazards can put someone in danger of a stricter judgment from God. You know, there will be judgment for the people of God. Not for the condemnation of sin, because Jesus already took that on himself when he died on the cross. I mean, Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're not going to be judged for a condemnation of our sin, but rather for unfaithfulness in conduct and belief as the people of God. You know, Scripture tells us that there will be a judgment for our words. It would be so nice if at conversion, you know, that resulted in a total makeover of our mouth. But that's just not how it is. Although we do become new creatures in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, we also carry around with us the old nature or the flesh, which also wars against the spirit. See, the tongue, the tongue is one of the major battlegrounds in the war. To become godly people, we must wage war daily on this front of bridling our tongue, of being able to control the tongue and what we say. See, James notes this in verse 2. He says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. All of us stumble in many ways, especially in our speech. And all of us have spoken maliciously at one time or another, often even without thinking about it. 
Might have been a text. Might have been something we, we said to someone else. Might have been something we verbalized. But as James says, if we can control the tongue, we will also be able to control the whole body. This is the key to living a godly life, is controlling the tongue. Since it's so easy to have a slip of the tongue, I want to say a sinful slip of the tongue, if we can avoid sinning when we speak, we will also be able to avoid sinning elsewhere. Now, very simply, I want to give you three things um, that must be true of a believer who would be a teacher. The first one is this. Know the truth. Know the truth. If a person does not have a thorough knowledge of the Word of God, he obviously will not be able to teach others. You know, if you, you cannot share what you do not have. So we must know the truth. It must be in us. We must, you know, Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The idea is there, there has to be, a teacher must have a commitment to knowing the truth, to being a student of the scriptures. You know, in, in Acts 26, Paul was standing before King Agrippa. And he told him, he said, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. In other words, he had a commitment to preaching God's word and only God's word. And so as teachers of the word of God, we must know the truth. It must be in us because we cannot share what we do not know. Secondly, I would say we must live the truth. I mean, this has been the drive of James since chapter 1. Because godliness is to characterize all believers, but this must especially be true of leaders, those who teach others, those who invest, those who have influence in others' lives. Godliness is to characterize all aspects of our lives. You know, at this point, probably the qualifications for an elder would fit here since they are to be teachers of the word. That's found in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and also uh, Titus 1, 5 through 9. But as, as we think about that, we must live the truth. We must, it must be in our lives. We must know it, but we must also live it out. And I think this is very important because you know, someone might say, well, your actions are speaking so loud, I can't even hear what you're saying. Because actions speak louder than words. And if we're not living it out, then our words are going to be pretty hollow. So live the truth. I would say a teacher must also be accountable. Part of living that out is we're living it out in front of other people. And so we have an accountability there that we, that we must own as well. So... We must know the truth. We must have a commitment. We must live the truth. We must be accountable. And I would say on the third stance here, uh, we must teach the truth. You might say share the truth, teach the truth. And this would seem to be obvious, but sadly, it's lacking today in many arenas, in many churches. Unbelieving teachers present their traditions. But folks, this goes back a long ways. This isn't something new. 
Jesus spoke about this back in Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9. He talks about people who were teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. And so what I'm saying is that is the, the, the temptation is to say that we're teaching the word of God, but then to basically teach the precepts of men and, and, and do what we want to with the word rather than sticking with the word. See, I think this is huge because even among believers, there seems to be a scarcity of sound Bible teaching. So my, my charge to you today, my encouragement for every believer, is if you're going to teach, then rightly divide the Word of God. Be about teaching this. Not what you think, not what other people think. Don't go with pop psychology or other... other uh, sciences. What I'm saying is go with the Word of God. If you're going to teach in the church, teach the Word of God. A teacher must have a commission. Go make disciples. So if we're going to teach, we need to know the truth. And we have to have a commitment. People aren't going to follow you if you're not committed to God's Word. You need to be committed to God's Word. So you need to know the truth, have a commitment, live the truth, be accountable, and teach the truth, have a commission. Go therefore, and as you go, make disciples. See, we need to remind ourselves in a very practical way that it is the, the Scriptures <laughs> that are alive and powerful. These are the Holy Spirit's words that he gave to men and they wrote them down. This is infused, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. That is so important because Hebrews 4.12 tells us that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Powerful, powerful. You know, over in um, 2 Timothy 3, it talks about it being um, inspired. God breathed for reproof, for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's the scriptures that are powerful, that are alive. So James' point in this is that we should not take on the role of teacher unless God has called us to it because teachers will incur a stricter judgment. You know, being a teacher of God's Word is a very dangerous occupation for anyone because of the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue to speak error, to speak misjudgment, to speak inappropriately. More importantly, the power of the tongue to misrepresent Jesus Christ. Or even the Holy Spirit. You know, as, as you rightly divide the word, you cannot do it on your own power. You have to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I believe that's why even the Apostle Paul was reluctant. He grew up studying the scriptures. And then he had an amazing experience on the road to Damascus. 
a conversion experience where God got his attention and, and called him. But you know what? Even then he was not ready. He went and spent two years in the Arabian desert being taught by the Holy Spirit before he was able to teach others. See, we who teach God's word will be more accountable because our words affect more people. Anytime that we teach, we should keep in mind the serious fact that someday we will stand before Almighty God and we will give an account of what we've spoke. See, I believe that churches would do well to pay tribute to those who teach the Word of God. I'm speaking specifically of our Sunday school teachers. I mean, they have taught God's Word over many, many years. Even if they're just, uh, I want to say, teaching children. They are teaching the Word of God. They are implanting it in these young lives. They've done that for many years, and God has used these faithful servants to build His church. I mean, without them, the church would only be a shadow of what it is today. Praise God for those who faithfully teach God's Word. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. I hope this, this message has been an encouragement to you. But you need to understand the first step in all of this is a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Apart from that, apart from Him, we can do nothing. So at first we must acknowledge Him as our Savior and Lord. And acknowledge that what Jesus did on the cross in dying for our sins, He paid the price for my sin. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And when I come to that realization, I fall to my knees and I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to be my Savior and Lord because I need Him. Because on that day when I stand before the Lord, what am I going to say? I'm going to say, I accepted the blood of Jesus that covers my sins. You can do that this morning. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. I thank you for Holy Spirit for writing it down for us and delivering it to us so that we can know you better. I pray, Father, that, that for those who may not know you, that, that they would receive you this morning as Jesus Christ, as their Savior and Lord, that, that they would come to a saving knowledge of you. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw us Draw men and women who don't know you. Draw each of us into your presence. And Father, I pray that as we continue on, Father, that you would just reveal yourself mighty to us. Work in every heart of every person who can hear my voice. And I pray, Father, that you would bring about a great awakening. I pray for a great revival all across this land. I pray, Father, that you would do what only you can do and that is save your people. Father, thank you for this time. Guide us as we continue to, to worship you. 
And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.